and people would pay to come in and view these little babies because they were like kind of considered freaks at the time. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Okay, welcome everybody to this week's version of the Family School of Thought. Hope everybody had a nice week, had a nice weekend. Um, let's start out with the weather out in there, Portland. Uh, it rained today for about two minutes, and that was the first time. Wow. Yeah, it was the first time in months, so it was like really exciting, but then it quickly ended, and it's sunny again. Sunny and hot. And it's still hot out here. Yeah, well, it wasn't super hot today. It was only like 85, so it's cooling down a bit. I heard somebody Not say heat wave. Sunday it was um, 101. Does that sound right? That sounds all right. <laughs> and I was in a kitchen all day. Oh, man. Yes. Um, we had a hot weekend. But yes. Monday, Monday it rained all day, but sad, Saturday. It, it was, was muggy. 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 Well, and I had the oven going, so that did not help. Right. Normally that cabin is not that hot, but. Because I had the oven on Saturday. It was muggy outside. Yeah, so it was. It, it was just muggy all around. It felt really good in the lake. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, it was, wasn't because of your oven. It, the, it, the whole place was, whole town was yeah. muggy. Yeah. Okay. Jess, how's the weather where you're at? Um, it's, it was good today. Good today. You know, nice, perfect weather. Yesterday, so I got a story. Um, yesterday we had dentist appointments, we came home <laughs> and the power was out at our house and uh -oh. so our garage door wasn't working and I no longer keep a key or I no longer had kept a key, um, my key ring to our storm door because it just never, when you lock it, it won't like the key won't come back out. So I'm like, what's the point of this? You know? So we were locked out of our house yesterday for a few hours um, because I couldn't, we couldn't open the storm door. And so we tried breaking into our own house um, to no avail. So we decided we're going to, we went to Meyer and just kind of walked around and came home with frozen food. And on the way home, man, I go, I'm like, man, we just bought frozen food. Like, what are we going to do? We can't get into our house. Um, and thankfully, when we got back about a half hour later, the, the power kicked back on. So, yeah. That's good. Didn't have to put the door down. But anything. it was hot and mug. It was like muggy out yesterday. So we were sitting in our driveway in, in the car with the air conditioning running because we couldn't figure out what to do. So it was a <laughs> fun time in the mugginess. And I sure hope that you, I said, I don't understand why you just didn't break that the door key, because. Um, we, well, so we did because the, well, they yeah, gave the you an excuse to get a new door. Well, that's what, I mean, we're planning on getting a new door anyway. So we're like, okay, you know, like what can we do? But the door handle came off, you know, cause the door handle is stripped anyway. So, but we couldn't get the, we were trying to like fit like zip ties and stuff in there to unlock the door. And we just, we couldn't get it to work. So I was waiting for a you know police to drive by and wondering why we're trying to break into a house in the middle of the day. You know, uh, but you couldn't call a locksmith or anything? Well that's I'm like if it would have been to a point where we couldn't get in, you know, but uh we, we so something it's, happened in our neighborhood because it was lesson, lesson our, um don't lock that screen door. Well, no, I put the key on the that my on my key ring. I put it back on my key ring because it does unlock the door. It just you can't lock it. it takes something. Yeah. So, but um, well, something is happened. Is your back door normally locked? It doesn't have a lock to unlock it. You couldn't or, get it, but yeah, fence? we keep it locked all the time. Yeah, we keep it locked. Oh, got it. Yeah, okay, okay, got it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I was, was thinking you just hop the fence and go on through the sliding oh. door. Yeah, no, it's locked all the time. So, okay. yeah. for the best, for the best, shouldn't put on a podcast that you don't lock your door. Yeah. Lock <laughs> no, we keep everything locked down. So, 
Yeah. Yep. So hmm. that was our interesting day with the mugginess. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Yeah. So okay. I'm just going to move right in, though, to my uh, amazing facts, my mental floss amazing facts. So I got a couple of them. So um, when the first platypus specimen was sent back to England, from Australia in the late 18th century, the scientist who examined it thought that it was somebody playing a trick on them. It's quoted as saying, it naturally excites the idea of some deceptive preparation by artificial means. Zoologist George Shaw wrote in the first scientific description of the platypus. And it, that was published in 1799. And it wasn't yet known that they laid eggs. So... Oh. Oh, I didn't know that platypus. I thought that they had babies. Nope. Mm. Um, and then I have another amazing fact, which I'm interested to see. So historically, pineapples were a symbol of wealth, and people used to the people used to rent them out to take to parties and to carry around to, in order to look rich. Did you guys know that? No, I did not. I did not know that. There are other symbols that pineapples are known for now. You guys know. Uh, well, one, how many pineapples do you guys see in Grandpa's community down in Florida? Oh, oh don't say that. Don't tell me that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I know the answer to this, and I'm not answering it. Okay. Well, pineapples... Isn't isn't what? He, he isn't he known as Swinging Billy down there? Oh, gosh. <laughs> he used to be. Now he's Danielle. <laughs> yeah. But, so well, pineapples, specifically upside down pineapples, symbolize swingers. So oh, if you that's see an, what I Okay. No, if you if you see an upside down pineapple, or if you get clear if you're not into that, or yeah, party. or if you get invited to a party and you notice that their house has a lot of you might have like, to turn over like, your car keys hey, you know into a fishbowl what does it mean when you love pineapple upside down cake i that's beyond me but you know <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorites i wonder if it, that was a dessert created for a swinging party wow yeah, maybe but it has to be a cherry down on top because pineapples also <laughs> are a symbol for like like a lot of it's in the infertility community a lot of people use it as a symbol of like hope and you know fertility well, stuff pineapple juice that i didn't know helpful too yeah it's helpful with your yeah. health Sexually, yeah. yeah well yes pineapples is supposed to help with fertility issues so it's like a symbol of hope well it's there supposed to help in other ways too yes Oh, anyways. Yeah. Thanks. There for you go. Those are my facts, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm going to be watching for those pineapples now. <laughs> Upside down. <laughs> it was like if you've seen an upside down pineapple, you'd say, hey, that's upside down. It's, it's a conversation a starter. Yep. Why is it upside down? They say, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say. <laughs> I won't, I for sure won't mention it if I see it's, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, if you know, you know. So I'll be nudging your mom, like, look, look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. There you Cat. go. Let's hear your song. All right, it's not about swingers. Um, and I, I did you see him on Good uh, Morning America this morning or this week? Yes, yeah. John Anderson, you know, there's a little girl in our neighborhood. Her name is Charlotte Johnson. It, somewhere it gets into swinging, <laughs> and we were swinging. <laughs> we were swinging. You know, the Got song. It. yes, yeah, I know yeah, the song. Yeah. Okay. I thought that's what you're getting into. It's also not that song. Oh. <laughs> um, I, and I do think I want to do a little bit of a K 
can you guess what this song is about? Um, okay. So I'm gonna play the clip and then I'm gonna read you some of the lyrics and see if you can guess what it's about. Okay. So the song is Disappearing Syndrome by Hail the Sun. Um, and the lyrics are that, that you heard were flowing through the water pipes. She's there stuck in time. The elevator camera hints at what, what could have happened. Oh, so this I is wonder, about... I wonder um, if the walls spoke. The hotel girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's even got um, lyrics such as, did she feel the pain before she left a splash? Um, but yeah, the song is about Eliza song. Lamb. I actually heard this song not too long ago. Yeah. And I thought about you, Cassie. <laughs> well, I was also thinking, I'm really mad that this is like happening again, because it's happened to Duffy too. Um, Maybe it's yeah. just certain songs they won't let you. Maybe hear. it's Lisa. Eliza doesn't want you to know, hear Eliza. the song. I don't on know. A, on a podcast, maybe. Maybe. No, I don't think that's it. But there you go. It's Disappearing Syndrome. It's about Eliza Lamb's uh, disappearance and subsequent death in the Cecil Hotel. Uh, wow. So it's a fairly, I mean, obviously it's like very on the surface creepy, but... If you didn't know about Eliza Lamb before you heard the song, you'd probably be pretty confused about what happened. There you go. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Jess. Yes. So I I have a story that is a little bit happier than what we're used to, um, but doesn't involve death. Does it involve really. Trump getting um, our logo? No, rated? no, but it no. doesn't involve like any deaths really. It's a very happy story, but and I just thought it would be a fun. It's more fascinating than murder mystery ish. So just thought we'd throw one of these happy ones in there for you, everybody. Um, so we've all heard of P.T. Barnum, right? Yeah. We all know who P.T. Barnum is. Oh, the circus. The circus, yeah. So he was pretty famous about bringing, you know, the freaks and making a free show, calling it a circus, all that. And they were sideshows that were, you know, traveling around the, the world. But there was one person that is kind of been you know attributed to pt barnum as well that he had a sideshow that wasn't about freaks so much as it was premature babies have you guys heard about this mm, we talked about this it seems like for something else maybe i talked no, i told you about this so i thought you were going to talk about the world's ugliest lady who was like no took advantage of that no so this is about a doctor who created um, the incubator, and it was a sideshow at the Coney Island. You um, did tell us about this before. Maybe, maybe I did. So um, in the early 1900s, he started um, showing it in the United States. But uh, he on, at, in Coney Island, he had two different parks, but he had rows of tiny premature babies that were living in these glass and metal incubators and people would pay to come in and view these little babies because they were like kind of considered freaks at the time um and at the time doctors didn't want to deal with them because it, they were considered weaklings and you know the world was just trying to get rid of them basically you lived or you died but if you can't survive that was god's will basically so Dr. Martin County, I th think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, he is kind of the, he's, he's credited 
for saving thousands of the United States, uh, America country, premature babies, thousands of them. Um, he ran his incubator sideshow from 1903 to um, early like 1940s. I think 1943 is when he kind of shut down. That's where I've seen it. That's what I've seen a couple times. So um, he was born in, so it's kind of, it's changed. So, and I was just looking this up. He was born in what was Prussia, Germany. I, from what I can see in 1869, which is now Poland. So um, during World War II, um, Poland took over that country, which kind of a side note, that's where Matt's grandpa was from, was from Prussia. So interesting Ooh. little fun fact right there. Um, so, but he wasn't the first actor to use an incubator. Um, the first actor ever to use an incubator was a French obstetrician named Dr. Uh, Stéphane uh, Tarnay. I'm going to go with that pronunciation of his name. He um, witnessed the incubator being used for chickens, baby chickens and chicken eggs and hatching them and had a thought. He saw this at the zoo and he's like, why don't we do this for humans and human babies? And so in the late 1870s he started creating the incubator um and dr martin county i saw in some of my research that he was like an apprentice to dr tarnay but then i also saw somewhere that he was an apprentice apprentice to a student of dr tarnay so i'm not really exactly sure how but they worked together in some sort of way um and so he kind of learned everything from this French doctor, and through the years from 1870, through the years, the technology grew and they worked and in 1896, um, Dr. Martin Kone, he entered it, the Brit, um, Berlin Exposition and he entered this incubator with a premature baby as a part of the exhibit, like a science fair type thing. Um, and uh, that was his first show. and it was a huge success and people were fascinated with coming and seeing this. So he started to tour Europe basically and do these little sideshows with these, these babies and incubators. And then after realizing how much of a success it was, he brought it over to the United States uh, to Coney Island. And he had his first exhibit at Luna Park, Coney Island. And then he opened a second exhibit shortly after at Dreamland in Coney Island. Um, and had all these babies that were, you know, doctors were saying, oh, there's no point in trying. They're going to die anyways. He would just take them and um, put them in his little sideshow. Uh, so many of the infants that were part of it came from the local maternity wards um, and they weren't expected to live. Um, and his daughter was actually a premature baby born six weeks early and was actually one of the babies that was in the exhibit at um, Coney Island. Um, and with this, he charged 25 cents admission to come see these babies. And because of that um, admission fee, he was able to use that money to pay for the nurses and doctors that he had on staff around the clock, along with everything that was needed to pay for the baby's care and the, the incubators. And so the parents that had children in these incubators were never charged to have their kids in the care. Um, so the, they were just taken care of with a rotation of nurses and doctors and wet nurses. Um, and he, he used the exhibit to offer a standard of technological care that was not being matched by any other hospital or any hospital at that time. So basically when these babies were born, the doctors were, were telling the parents, well, it's a premature baby, it's not gonna live long, it's not gonna have a successful life, you know, just deal with it basically. And so he wanted to um, help these parents and help, you know, help these infants. He was really dedicated to it. Um, I, In my research, it kind of really does sound like he almost like stole the idea from another doctor, but, it was, um, he made it successful here in, in the United States, uh, where in 
in France, the first incubator was introduced into a hospital in 1880. It wasn't induced, introduced to a hospital in the United States until around 1950. So um, it was like in the 1940s, 1950s. Did they really steal it? I mean, I don't think so. I think that they worked together on it. And then he just, he realized, you know, doing it as a sideshow was able to bring notoriety to it. And so he, you know, why the other doctor worked on, you know, making it better. He kind of was the marketing person to it. You know, I did find in some of the stuff that he wasn't a real doctor. I don't know. I can't confirm or really deny that. Um, But I don't know. He's pretty well known and, and for the the inventor, you know, kind of creator of the the incubator. But um, he would often get really irked by the idea that um, just because he was working at Coney Island, you know, people were, you know, thought his work was a joke. But he always thought, you know, like just because I'm at Coney Island, it wasn't that he wasn't doing this in the best interest for these kids and for their health. He was doing what he could and he was using any means that he could to basically pay for it and um, afford to have the babies stay alive there. Um, But he was also, even though he was, you know, wanted to be taken seriously, which I think he was in some sense, but he also, it was a sideshow. So he would dress the the infant or the the infants the premature infants in like overly big clothes to make them look smaller and they would do little tricks one of the nurses that worked for him would bring a like a diamond ring and would show the audience the diamond ring and then slide it up the infant's arms to show how tiny they actually and emphasize how tiny they actually were so it's like they they did use the kids the babies you know to kind of bring more attention to the shows but it also that attention brought more families in as well too so um but yeah the incubators in the united states weren't really introduced and accepted into the american hospitals until it was around the time he died which was in 1950 so he was kind of like a you know i like one of the you know his work wasn't really recognized until after his death basically benefits of his vision yeah right so um and so one of the babies though um it was in 1920 lucille horn was born weighing two pounds and she was um her a twin born to her parents her her twin died during birth and she was her the doctors told her her parents that she wasn't going to survive she weighed two pounds. She was going to die as well. Her dad remembered the sideshow going to Coney Island on his honeymoon with his wife and said, no, I'm going to, she's still alive. I'm going to do what it takes to keep her alive. And so he wrapped her in a blanket, left the hospital, hailed a taxi and told the taxi driver to go to Coney Island and took her straight to the exhibit and she was um, taken in, put into an incubator, and she stayed in the incubator and part of the sideshow for six months. And then she was released, and she lived to be 96 years old. Wow. So it, he saved her life um, right. with that. And so, um, and then there were, I did see some, she did like a, uh, like a story, you know, she kind of told her story on that. Um, and one of the, the, there was, I think it was NPR. She did a, like a, a news story and she went, she ended up, you know, giving him a lot of credit. You know, she wouldn't have been alive if it wasn't for him, but she, as an adult went back as a visitor to see all the, the babies that were still there and, and introduce herself to, to Dr. Coney and, um, kind of show off, you know, it worked. And show the the people that were there that it worked. And his daughter was one of the sideshow babies as well. And she ended up being a nurse in the in the exhibits as well, taking care of some of the babies. But it the sideshow did grow in popularity through the years. And it was even part of the Chicago World Fair in 1930s and 1934, 1933 rather, and 1934. 
and they built an exhibit in Chicago for that World Fair and it cost $75,000 to build that exhibit with all the incubators and he took like 58 babies with him. I think if I'm understanding it right, he took 58 babies with him over there um, as part of the sideshow or part of the World Fair exhibit. Um, and he worked there with Dr. Julius Hess, who is known today as the father of the American neology, neology, which is where the NICU comes from. He created the NICU. Um, no, the neo um, intensive care. Yeah, Haas so you have these. What? Haas is a big name. I hear that. Yeah, Haas. Oh. So, but it was a huge success in Chicago. So then after the Chicago World Fair, it grew even more attention and brought more people over to Coney Island. Um, but there he, he, uh, charged only 25 cents that, you know, which was a lot of money back then too, but he charged 25 cents and out of the 58 babies that he took there, um, like 40, I think 42 of them survived and were able to be brought back home. And, um, there was a, a big to do and a big homecoming for those, the 42 that came back, um, out of the, I saw a couple different numbers, but there was around 8,000 8, to 8,500 babies that he took into his care for the sideshow. And 85% of those premature babies ended up surviving. And um, so he you know, was given a lot of credit because all of those babies, those thousands of babies were just deemed they were going to die by the doctors and the doctors didn't want to give them any kind of care and so he took those and he saved several generations of kids um from doing his little sideshow um and then he is kind of going back he ended up marrying a nurse that was part of that was employed at one of his um infant infantoriums is what they would call them specifically more on the european tour um he married her in 1903 when they started the exhibit here in the United States. And then they had their daughter, um, Hildegard, who was born six weeks premature in 1907. She only weighed three pounds. And so she ended up staying in the incubators and staying as part of the slideshow, basically, <laughs> until it closed in like 1943, because um, she was in the incubators and then she when she grew up, she went in to be a nurse at the exhibits as well. Um, and he also had oh, an I exhibit. You, what? I, th I thought you were saying that she was in the incubator oh, until no. 1943. <laughs> I was like, sorry. Uh, no, she stayed working in the um, But he also had an exhibit in, in um, Atlantic City as well. And it ran from 1905 to 1943. So he, it was very successful um, for that. And um, the average cost that for each baby to take care of each baby and for the nurses and staff for each baby was $15 um, a day, which today would have been, it's about $405. So to me, that's fairly cheap to take care of. I mean, $400 a day is kind of expensive, but to take care of these babies um, with that, but every day they would, you know, bathe the babies in lukewarm water and if the babies were capable, they would give them a small dose of brandy, which I thought was funny. <laughs> well, you know, back then they yeah. used uh, But I think, you know, keep them calm so they're not crying and everything. But they would tie each baby in a blue or a pink ribbon, and they would use that ribbon to, you know, so the visitors would be able to identify the sex of the infants well, that were out on display, and they would be displayed to the public all day during the, you know, the hours that the fair was open. Oh, um, and then they yeah. would be taken out of their incubators to be cuddled by the nurses in front of the visitors. And the, you know, they were shown off to the visitors outside of the incubators. Um, and they were fed throughout the day um, with breast milk, um, either through a bottle or a wet say, nurse. Who, supply, who supplied, did they have a wet nurse there? Yeah, or? so they, they had wet nurses and then they, you know, had bottles. And then um, if the babies weren't able to be fed on their own, they would be spoon fed um, where a nurse would drip the the breast milk through their nose, which is 
hmm. kind of, you know, like if most of these preemies today have feeding tubes, so it's kind of the same process. It's just without the technologies that we have today. So, but um, yeah, so they would bring the, you know, they would really showcase these babies and like do things to emphasize how small they were. Um, and Lucille Horn, she was in the story that she had, she was quoted as saying like her dad said she was so small that she fit into the palm of his, his hand when he, she was born. Wow. So, I mean, and she was only two pounds. So that's, that's tiny. That's like, you know, you have the size of your like cell phone, basically. That's how big these babies were. Right. Um, and so it was kind of, you know, it was interesting back then too, but there were, a lot of people that were against it because they you know they thought that he was just using these infants to get money and to become famous and um they you know the the fairgrounds the coney island was dirty so they were worried about you know like you're taking these little fragile infants and putting them in a dirty environment um there were they, and then the, they were showcased next to scandal shows like the bearded lady or, you know, the, the fattest man, you know, those types of things as well. Um, but then there was also in 1911, part of Cody Island caught on fire. And that's when people really. Started kind of outcrying because it's very dangerous conditions for these fragile babies. Um, and in the fire, all the babies were rescued. So none of them, you know, met their demise at, because of a fire. Um, but it was, it be, did become part of a concern with those types of issues as they went. So I thought it was interesting. Um, but yeah. through his, through the years, he continuously tried to, especially in like New York and um, New Jersey in that area, he tried to, um, donate these incubators to the hospitals and every time he you know like went to like market them and everything they basically like would laugh in his face and you know like this is not what we're doing these babies are not meant to survive they're weaklings and so it was just not accepted and so he attempted for years to do that and like I said it wasn't until like around 19 the mid 1940s 1943 um when they started the hospital started to utilize them and they started becoming part of the mainstream of uh, maternity wards um which, which is why he ended up shutting the the sideshow down in 1943 because they were starting to be used in hospitals um and so babies were able to get the care that they needed um which it shut down in 1943 and then in 1944 the luna park part of coney island burned down so where those babies would have been, it could have ended very disastrously. <laughs> so um, um, there, there, I've seen several different books, but there was one, Miracle at Coney Island by Claire um, Prentice, I think is how you say her name, uh, kind of details this. And like I said, there was some news stories. They were, the last one I saw news story-wise was like in 2018. Um, and uh, Lucille Horn was one of the people that was quoted in there along with Beth Allen, who was one of the other, another one of the babies that was in the incubators. And um, I couldn't find if she was still alive. I was trying to find if they had a list of, you know, like the, any, uh, any of these babies that were still alive. I'm sure there are because it closed down in 1943. So I would assume that the last baby born would have been born in 1943 that was used in these size shows. Um, but I, couldn't find anything and I'm assuming some of these babies probably don't want their story to be known because it's such a unique situation um and that's what Lucille Horn had had said too you know like um that it's kind of weird thinking that you know she was showcased as an infant you know through the first six months of her life but at the same time she's still alive and she lived to be 96 so like what does it matter to her because she's alive. Um, so, the, you know, like there's some ups and downs, but I thought it was kind of fascinating, this this thing, this tool that is used in hospitals 
today and now it's like one in 10 babies i think i um i can't remember now but one in 10 babies is born premature in today you know so one in 10 babies is using this incubator that was created in the late 19th century and um and was part of a sideshow which i think is kind of kind of neat on that so um i want to share my screen because i do have some cool pictures um, let me see. It does kind of show that like if he stopped the show in 1943, which is when hospitals started using the machine more often, it does mm -hmm. show that like he wasn't just doing it for fame. Like if he wanted to right. do it for fame, he could have continued to do it and showcase these babies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what oh, I was trying ah. to. See, like, I was trying to blow this picture up, but it just takes me to a different page. So these are the nurses holding up. There's eight, uh, no, six babies. I can, I can do math. They each um, held their own hands. Wow. Yeah. So, but this is, this picture here, this is Dr. Martin Kone, um, and holding up uh, two babies. And I want to say, so there was one picture that I was trying to find. I found it on my phone, but I couldn't, I don't think I can find it here. But this is, so this is. Um, oh, those are the incubators. So they were just like lined up like this and then people wow. you know, would be able to walk through and see. Oops. Oops. Wow. And see the exhibits and stuff. So I think it's pretty cool to like. To see this so this picture this is the one i wanted to show this wow. is a baby who weighed 23 ounces when oh, it was born geez. that's how small it was and this it this the nurse that is holding the baby is dr coney's daughter uh hildegard i think that's how you say her name so that is his daughter who wow. was a premature baby that was part of the sideshow as well so and, it's, and she doesn't know. look like she's a premature baby no she's no. So, yeah so there's another picture with you know the the incubators and they're pretty similar to what they look like today i mean i think they're more mm -hmm. you know like efficient today but you know it is and i they're not made of glass and metal anymore i don't think you know i'm not 100 percent sure but he did make sure that um that here's another one with the incubator yeah three babies, three babies. In there. oh my gosh so and that's um but he did make sure too that you know like he was worried about the babies getting enough air when everything was closed in and so he made sure that air was being pumped in and that the air was being pumped in was clean air. So he created a filtration system that would, you know, take out any you know, um, toxins from the air. So these babies were getting the purest air that they could and uh, getting everything. And so it was like, there was like a water pump that would pump warm water down in like the basin down here. So, and then it was like heated up. And so that it was, you know, kind of, like you'd think like a heating pad almost, you know, kind mm -hmm. of a situation, which I think is kind of where they, what they do now in the hospitals where it's more electric. But so this um, lady here is Lucille Horn and this is her daughter. I don't know wow. what her daughter's name is. So I don't know. I think it's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of these people I'm sure lived long lives because this one person let's see if we can get yeah that. he was dedicated yeah, to he was dedicated to to doing this and um like i said you know the first incubators in france were introduced into the maternity wards in 1880 so it took united states a long time to accept this technology and um to and it was already running how long in france 18 so they put the first one in the maternity or they were introduced um into the maternity wards in 1880 wow. and almost so, 60 and then, years prior yeah right 60 years like 50 60 years before united states so they were saving lives way before we even yeah yeah wow so well i think we're still in that so much, kind of situation well the doctors are so dedicated in different countries right 
So, and yeah, here's Lucille Horn too. That's, you know, like I, and this is, yeah. So the NPR, this is from the story from NPR. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I thought, well, let's do a happy story. It <laughs> is a happy and, story. Um, kind of, I don't know. I just thought this was such a fascinating thing that like, I'm sure people don't realize, you know, what it, you know, like, what it was like, but, um, you know, or that, you know, there's so many people that have kids in the NICU that this is where it began. This is kind of where it all started. And, you know, like how many people would willingly take their kid to a sideshow, you know, and just to, here's another good picture of a baby in one of them. But, you know, like, and I think that was something too, where like the parents, they may have been apprehensive about taking their kid to a sideshow, you know, and like doing, you know, putting them in out for display for everybody. But at the same time, they were desperate to save their kids. Um, because Beth, how, many, how many of them stayed with their kids that, um, that I, I couldn't find, I'm sure some of them were like, Nope, I don't want any, you know, I'm sure there were some, but it sounded like most of the parents, um, you know, like they may have not been there every day, but they took their kids home after they were, they graduated from the incubators. Huh. So, yeah. So here, yeah, here's a New York Times infant wow. incubators. Infant incubator. Wow. Yeah. With living infants. Yeah. Well, oh, here's, um, here's an incubator both. now. This is what, <laughs> this is what it would look like in today's, in today's world. Wow. So not really too far off. My know? Aunt Rosalie. Yeah. Um, she only weighed, well, my grandma says, first this would have been mid twenties in the boondocks, you know. Mm -hmm. She had a baby at home. And yeah. she said it only weighed a pound. Yeah. And um she said the doctor came to the house, delivered him, but just kind of like tossed her aside and said, well, she won't live and laughed. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's kind and of what grandma was made a little bed, little thing and yeah. put it, it was in the winter times, so put it right by the fireplace. Mm -hmm. And she, she never she had lived. a weight problem in her, or she was never unnourished her life. <laughs> right. And she lived a long life. And she lived to be in her 90s. Yeah, right. Okay. But that was kind of what was going on back then, too, is that the doctors would be like, this baby's not going to survive. It's a weakling. And, you That's, know, it's yeah. they saw it as the way of, you know, like, like humans, homo sapiens way of like, you know, oh, that's the runt of the litter. We don't eat it, but we just dispose of it, you know, in the mm -hmm. wild. They like eat the runt of the litter or, you know, they just leave it for dad. Right. So, but a I do lot wonder of... if your grandma, like, like, I'm sure she had a radio and I'm sure this was a story that people talked about back then. So I wonder if maybe your like your grandma heard the story on the radio or heard of the story of the incubator. Right. And was like, well, if... well, I doubt that she knew anything about incubator. I mean, well, I don't think, I don't think she knew what incubator was, but she was hearing like, stories of a doctor saving premature underweight babies by keeping yeah. them warm and keeping them by like a warm I don't know. You know she would she's like your mother like she's gonna make it work you know what I mean yeah right <laughs> right she ain't gonna throw her baby away she, she's gonna make it whatever it took yeah yeah so but and she didn't say I heard this she just said I just made her a little bed and kept her right by the fireplace I never took her away from there you know Right. And, and well, and that's that's something too. Like back then, too, most births were done at home. Right. This you know, like you were in a hospital setting, and and you didn't have the care that you get now. Oh, you know that that kind of stuff. So, you know, like when your baby was born, like you just made a bed out of a you know a drawer kind of thing. Right. And, right. You know, did your best. So. Yeah, she, no doubt she just found some little box or a drawer or something. And, yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I just thought it was fascinating that, like, we've come so far 
you know, and uh, he, this is this one person is basically responsible for, you know, like 65 to 7,500 kids that are, or, you know, people that were alive in, in the generations of families that they were able to have because of him. Right. Think of all of the families that are still yeah. alive, that their grand, if it wasn't for their grandmother or grandfather, yeah, they would not be here today. Yeah. And so Lucille Horn and then Beth Ann, um, th those were the two that I found in all the stuff that I could, could find. Those were the only two that I found named and both of them were born. They were twins and the twin died at birth. So, and the doctor basically said, yep, this one's going to die too. Just be prepared for it. So, um, oh. yeah. So I don't know, and I didn't find anywhere that, you know, like there were twins that survived because of this incubator or anything like that. But that is, that is something that happens now too, that usually like if you have twins, they're a lower birth weight than a normal baby or like a singleton birth baby right. or pregnancy, you know, and a lot of times they need to go into an incubator or even kids that are, you know, jaundice when they're born, though they go into an incubator, they go into the lights and all that kind of stuff. Those babies would have just been tossed aside and you'd have been said, sorry, sucks. You right. know? But uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That yeah. was like all the facts that I had. So that's you know. a very great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sure beats all these scary ones. Well, that's what I thought. Babies that were able to survive. <laughs> yes. They may have been a sideshow. But, but, well, and I bet the thing is, like, even if they're a sideshow, the more money he makes on a sideshow, the more incubators he can have produced, right. Right. the more yeah, babies he can weird. save. Yeah. And he that's really what wants he was finances. Kind of he was using a sideshow to finance his idea. Finances, yeah. Right. And, and on top of it, he, and you know, he was excited to charge visitors because the more people that came, the you know like the parent he didn't want to charge the parents to have their kids be there and so right. think about that you know like even in today like if these incubators were out i'm you know like they don't have maternity wards really or like the nurseries rather in hospitals anymore because of safety issues but you know like people love to see infant babies they love to see newborn babies think about if the hospitals did stuff like that where like oh you could pay you know, 20 bucks to go look at these, you know, NICU babies and see them behind the glass, you know, and, you know, like keep them so that they can't get in there, you know, and touch the babies or whatever. But I'm sure people would pay for it, especially I if I kind of made some money from family if they would. You know, like when when Matt was in the hospital and I, you know, like was there for like a month on end kind of situation, I would have paid 20 bucks to go look at little babies and. You know, people get happy when they see babies. I would have That's done true. it. That's yeah. true. People love babies. Eh. Yeah, but like Jesse said, the reason that that got shut down was because a lot of babies were getting kidnapped because people yes. were like, ooh, yeah. babies. Yes, yeah. Let me go take that one. Yeah, and I know so. when Odin was born, you, you know, he was born at Sparrow Hospital in Lansing, and they do not have a nursery but they always like they give the option like hey if you need to like send your kid away we'll just take them down to the nurse's station and i remember thinking like i told Matt, I'm like i don't care if i'm asleep you better be awake and you better have your eye on this kid because to me that seems even more dangerous but they want him to work the nurse's station <laughs> yeah but they Answering do have the phone? i know so when odin was born they had his id bracelet on his wrist I think both wrists and then they had like a like security tag kind of ID bracelet on both of his ankles and I remember when we were getting ready to leave the nurse came in to cut him off and he was missing one of his like security tag from his ankle like, I don't know what happened with it I, I have no idea and the nurse is like uh what happened I'm like I you know like I don't know and it was kind of we had like this moment of like are they gonna let us leave with this kid <laughs> Well, did somebody was just kind of walking around with them and got in trouble because they kind of left the room and went? Um, that was actually that was um, 
I want to say that was at a different hospital when I was back in the hospital. Because well, he was at there because it might have been me, you know, I was just kind of holding him and walking around. Oh, yes. Things. You know what? Yes, and it was because you if you were out in the hallway walking around, you had to have them in the bassinet. You couldn't. Yeah, I, I got in trouble anyhow, like I was trying to yeah. kidnap them. Yeah. But yeah, that's well. They have securities in place, but they I have it for a reason. I mean, <laughs> they were suspicious because I didn't know my daughter's name when I came in there. You did call her, <laughs> yeah. You did call her by the name. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, "No, no, nobody by that name." I'm like, "Well, it's my daughter. I think I know her name. She's having a baby. No, <laughs> we can't find them." Finally, Cass said, "Um, that's not her name." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> she has a new last name. Not even new. It wasn't new by that point. <laughs> it was not new at that point. I was just still, it took that for me to accept that name. That you weren't, anyways. But I do think, you know, like it would be, it, there are a lot of safety issues in today's world and today's society, but I do think it would be kind of a way to raise money for hospitals to, to kind of display the babies and have people pay. Um, because I think a lot of people would do that because you, you're at a hospital visiting somebody that is sick. It's usually not a happy situation. So that's you know. not a good idea. Uh, no, yeah. because then they'd be like, no, I want to see the one with the arm coming out of the forehead. That one. Yeah, <laughs> that would, I guess that's true. And that is something too. So he, you know, back in the early 19, this was back in the early 1900s, you know, 1903 to 1943. He accepted any baby, any race, any um, like um, um, any religion, you know, like so he he just would take any baby. He didn't care what it, what it looked like or, you know, what his background, what his parents background was. Um, so if it was a purple baby born from the, the devil, he would have taken the baby because that's all he cared about was the baby's self. Good. Good. So I thought it was interesting. Um, so I don't know. I thought it was cool. And I thought it was cool that, uh, apparently he was born in Prussia. So interesting fact right there. Yeah. So. Nice. Good story. It was a happy story. No. Yeah, I mean, there were some deaths. Well, I guess, you know, but... is about unsolved mysteries. Well, that's okay. We can have every once in a while. I yeah, mean, it's the mystery. Yeah. Of, it's the mystery of the invention of the ink yes, writer, You know, that's is. the mystery. It's it a is. fascinating story. Okay, so there's not really a bunch of mystery, but you know, well, it's a mystery. mystery. It is how it kept that child alive is the mystery. It's fantastic. The title of our channel is the Family School of Thoughts. We're educating people on mysteries we find fascinating. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. I did debate on doing this one though, because I was thinking like, there's not really mystery to it. There's not, you know, but I find it fascinating and I, I decided like you know what, I'm going to do it. Yep. Yeah, I think it was good. And it kind of linked up with, um, mom's, uh, what was her name? Uh, the, not hit her the Chicago World Fair with the Chicago World yes. Fair. Yeah, and that's what I was on, um, yeah. Um H. H. Holmes. Yes. yes. And that's what I was thinking too, because then I was thinking, wow, I wonder how many of those parents of those babies that were taken over were murdered by H. H. Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what when was he at the World Fair or like when was he active at the World Fair? I don't remember now. Because it says that, that, that they were at the World Fair in 1930. 1933 and 1934. So he was there at the World Fair for 18 months. Um, let's see. I'm getting on to the Wikipedia. Well... Okay, well, hold on. So I feel like he was there in like the 1930s, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, I see. No, because so he, so H.H. Holmes, so they must have done a second world fair in Chicago. So this must have been different 
because I was thinking the same thing because he was executed in 1896. Oh, so yeah. Um, well, there's it's the World's Fair is like a it's like almost like yeah. the, it's not the Olympics, but like it, it happens like yeah, pretty much bi yearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it happened for a very, very long time. So that must have been a different Chicago World. Obviously, it was a different Chicago World Fair, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was super cool and something that maybe our listeners didn't know. And that's something that now we use, like hospitals use on a regular basis and it saves babies' lives. And now people take it super seriously. So. Yeah. I think it's good. I just actually, now that I'm thinking about it, had somebody complain that we were doing too many child death stories. So this is just a happy one. There you go. Now I just provided 65 to 7,500 child lives. Right. Survival stories. Yeah. We can do survival stories. There you go. It's a survival story. There you go. Yeah. So it's, and I, I, so and there was an NPR story and then um you know there was multiple books that I saw that were kind of written on it. So I don't know. I haven't read any of the books, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm sure there's some kind of documentary out somewhere that kind of you know, or um I did see like PBS had like a news article. So I'm assuming there maybe there's like a documentary or some kind of I feel like I've seen um a documentary on this before. Yeah. So I'm sure there's something out there, but I didn't look into it that deep on that one. So I don't know. I thought it was cool. And I thought it was pretty cool that some of the survivors lived to into their well into their nineties. So right. uh, good story. Yeah. Good lives. So that is it. That that's all I have. All right. <laughs> Yay. Upside down pineapples and babies that survived because of incubators. <laughs> I'm really yeah. watching for those upside down pineapples. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that, I mean, well, I mean, do what you want, but I'm kind of glad that you didn't know what it means. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you do you. I don't really care, but I'm kind of glad you guys didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Anything else on Jesse's story, though, about the incubators? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you think all the babies were baptized that were in the incubators? No. Especially if, if he took babies from different religions and he didn't care about their background, I, I, so I doubt they were all baptized. Right, 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 right. What do you think? You but had? I did. So, oh, I forgot to I forgot to mention this though too. There were like some of like the Lucille Horn's dad, you know, held a taxi. He took her down there, but. There were times that he actually went to maternity wards waiting for premature babies to be born and then would oh. like kind of convince the parents, hey, come, I can help you. So he's kind right. of like that ambulance chaser <laughs> to get people to come too. So um, oh. I thought that was kind of well, interesting. saving lives. saving right. yeah. Baby too. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure, you know, what the ones that had the babies that actually survived, those parents were they didn't care they they had a baby so i'm sure they were grateful yeah and he had an 85 percent success rate that's pretty high i think that's pretty Especially high for like, the invention of something yeah yeah, yeah. the invention that's... of something yeah yes so i thought it was a pretty cool thing we've so. come a long ways yeah Yep, yep. Well, I think that's it for the episode. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how much more we can um, talk about. Scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anybody else got anything you want to add to today's story? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for tonight's show. Please, everybody, like push the like button to share and share our channel with your friends. Subscribe. Um, subscribe to our channel. It helps us out greatly. And for sure, give us any thoughts and ideas um, through our email, the family school of thought 
at gmail.com. All right? All right, guys. Thank you much. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.